Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, well, guys, we got a busy, busy show tonight. We've got uh, congratulations off the top to the number one ranked uh, lacrosse team from Northwestern getting the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they will be starting off against, uh, well, against a TBD uh, with a first round bye. We'll, we'll see them on Mother's Day. Uh, congratulations to the top seed in the Big Ten tournament softball team uh, clinching uh, the undisputed uh Big Ten regular season championship with uh, two out of three games won at Rutgers uh, this uh, past weekend, uh, clinching outright the uh, the Big Ten regular season championship. Uh, we'll get into both of those in uh, just a minute, but uh, you know, coming to you a little bit earlier this week than normal because of some major major news that dropped this morning. Throw uh, up that bat signal, baby! Program. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, boo boo booey. Uh, announcing on his Instagram that he is coming back, uh, withdrawing his name from the NBA draft uh, process. He's coming back for one more run with the basketball team. And guys, first team all Big Ten, finalist for the Koozie Award, one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, to get him coming back to this team, I mean, is just absolutely massive. It's it's so incredible, and we were talking about how stoked we were to get into all the different facets of this because it's so incredible for so many different reasons, and they're all really special. And I think we were so we should say right that over the past I don't know week to two weeks, you know, some little birds have been telling us that this was a strong possibility, and. We were kind of being like, well, you know, here's hoping, like we're all fiercely crossing our fingers, hoping that it happens. And obviously, I think we all know, and Louis Vacare had reported on it going back, you know, weeks, if not months, that Northwestern was making a furious effort to retain both Boo and Chase, and that NIL interests, which of course can't be directly allied with the university, but NIL interests, you know, were, were there, and Inside NU confirming sources that he's, you know, that Boo's on a six-figure NIL deal, several hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is its own kind of special. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. But I think the the place to start is is what it means for this team, right? And I think it's just within, without looking even at the rest of the basketball landscape and looking just within the confines of this team and what Boo means not only to the team but to us as fans, this was someone who was the engine of this team. The engine certainly on offense, but in terms of like minutes, you know, overall, the guy we trusted at the end of big games, the guy who was our offensive catalyst throughout the tournament, right? He is the engine. The straw that stirs the drink for one of the most special basketball seasons in Northwestern history. And now he's back. And we are just, I mean, we could not be more excited. I want to build on that straw that stirs the drink piece that you just talked about, John. Because not only was he the engine, but he was the also like the emotional focal point of this team. And, and not in the way you would think, because something we talked about all year 
Boo's calm in the moment at the end of big games in big moments and his ability to, in, in a way that frankly, like no point guard at Northwestern, I think has ever exuded this maybe other than juice Thompson, in my opinion, but just like a, no, no, no guys, like we can do this. Um, and game winning shots, you know, the, the, the drive to beat Indiana, um, the, the finish against, I guess, Purdue, just like his, his calm in the moment in huge spots that Northwestern basketball has never, ever been in and succeeded before, um, means not only do we, do we get that again next year, but when you think of a bridge to the next generation of uh, generation is the wrong term, right? But the next, the next era of NU basketball, and we've been talking about Barnheiser and Nicholson, and we've got some really nice transfers coming in. Like this team has stuff to work with going forward. And now they and, get, and now they're able to recruit off of the tournament run last year. Well, well, and the, and they have their not only their engine but their emotional leader back to yeah. bring them, you know, along for another season. And that's just that's it's massive for us as fans. It's massive, especially for the younger players on the team. It's massive, massive for the continuity and the growth of this program. I'm so glad you brought up the what you just did because it immediately jumped to the the most recent phenomenal return decision prior to well I shouldn't say that because Izzy Skane just a week ago announced that she was coming back so let's jump over <laughs> and go back to, to the the one before Izzy Skane right which was all of the softball super seniors deciding that they were going to come back and what we've talked about over the past couple of weeks right is one of the giant fringe benefits of that decision is it's something really similar to what you just said which is helping to build a foundation and bring a really good young crop of talent along into this culture of winning and culture of excellence, right? And that you've seen it pay off with players like Kansas Robinson and Kelsey Nader down the stretch here. And I look at a guy, I mean, obviously we know Barnhauser, we know Barry, um, Nicholson, but you've got a guy like Luke Hunger, who we think is really going to be an impact player this season coming off of that injury where he had to sit out all of last season. And then a guy like Justin Mullins, who, you know, you forget, like, he's just like Chase. He's only played one year of college basketball. And you're bringing these guys into a team that now with the return of Boo suddenly looks like, I mean, it looks like one of the best Big Ten teams. And what is that going to do, not only for the development of those guys and bringing them along, but for the continuity of this program overall. And I mean, again, I could not be more stoked to talk about this because there are all these different categories. And I feel like the category we're leading off with is this combination of the emotional impact on us as fans and then this this kind of je ne sais quoi that is just what this team is and the spirit of this team and the development of this team. But then like, the second place you can go is just like the friggin' basketball piece of this and how good Northwestern looks on paper right now. And it's like Northwestern acquired through the portal one of the best players, Ryan Langborg, one of the best players in the most recent March Madness tournament. Like he was a massive reason uh, Princeton powered its way to the Sweet 16. And he's in the rotation. And... I, you know, I kind of want to get into the various, the statistical piece of Boo in a little bit. But one of the big things about Boo is Boo's good for 35 minutes a game. 
You peg you put him in at uh, at point and just set it and forget it. The guy is a minutes monster, one of the biggest in the nation. And you look at the other four guards that we have up at the top of this: Barnheiser, Barry, Langboring, and Mullins. Those dudes are going to rotate like crazy. We're probably going to play three guards a long time. And a guy like Mullins, who is a huge wing, really helps make that possible. As does Langborn, who's really like, and Barry, who can guard multiple positions, and Barnheiser, who's really confident in the low block. Those dudes will always be fresh because two of them are going to be on the floor at any given time and they're going to sub like crazy because Boo's going to be on the floor for the whole game. And it goes back to that defensive intensity. At the perimeter, this team's going to be insane. And that's even, you know, we're just saying, we're assuming at this point, and we don't know, we're assuming Chase isn't coming back. And you can look and be like, he helped lay the groundwork, whether he comes back or not, for a team that on the defensive side of the ball at the perimeter looks just ferocious right now. And, I mean, it's just, this team just looks really good. I mean, I won't, I won't disagree with any of that. Any of that. I, like, they will, they will continue to be tenacious on defense and, and potentially even ferocious. I, I can't pretend that, I mean, I think, like, we, I know nothing on this, on, this, on this vein, but it always felt like Boo was the more likely returnee than Chase. Um, it also feels like there's... Um, a lot of other cards in the mix now. Like, I, like that, that. Maybe they know something about Chase. Maybe they don't. Maybe we're going to get surprised. I'd love to see him back, but I just nobody is going to be able to replace him defensively. Now, maybe as it maybe as a unit, right? Like, like that rotation of of three or four guys in in the off guard spot can can bring an intensity that he couldn't quite bring for a full uh, for a full game. But um, I just I think. I think the team is likely to regress a little bit on defense. They're going to need to make that up on, on offense. That's where like a Langborn, where, where, where honestly, like a boo is so critical because he became our, he became our, our primary point engine during, during the big 10 season and his ability to unlock other players, i.e. especially a Barnheiser. You saw them running so much more action for Barnheiser um, in the, you know, the last third of the season, Um, the, the number of, of, uh, 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 alley oops to to Nicholson that that Boo initiated like like that that chemistry. I mean, that's part of what I was alluding to earlier in terms of like the emotional leader. Like he knows these guys; they know him. They can they're gonna they're gonna he he and Langbor just need to figure each other out. And Mullins, that's that's it. Everything else is there, uh, which is it's it's such a um. I want to hit later like the the historical like antithesis of this but um but it's just it's so exciting and it's the and, and right and talking about those the guards right i mean obviously you're right i mean we know we all know chase was the best defensive basketball player in the country last year and you right you can't just replace that and right on defense he was the the bellwether right and he led the effort but the other thing that we've talked about previously right and you can fold boo obviously right back into this is the amount of tournament experience in this guard rotation now is crazy. <laughs> oh my Northwestern God, yeah. has never had this much experience. Right. I mean, just, just, <laughs> I know exactly. Just last year, uh, our, our guard rotation, if you look at the five guards, we expect to get the most minutes. 
we we have three we're very familiar with who played each played two tournament games last year. Langborg played three, and Mullins didn't play any. But Mullins was you know one of the better young players in his conference, and his team just wasn't as good overall. But then you add Nicholson, and and I think obviously in the low block, Verhoeven was a key piece. Baron was a big piece. Right, and and you've got to find role players like that, and obviously we have you know transfer coming in. We have a guy like Hunger who's going to be stepping up, and you're going to hope we potentially, depending on whether or not Chase comes back, have another scholarship we can offer to a transfer, um, and get those pieces in. But man, on the the offensive side of the ball, and this is another thing too, where I was doing some research, and I'm like, on a conference and national perspective, this is a really big deal too. We all get so used to, you know, within Northwestern. But if you look at the landscape, I mean, look at the first team all Big Ten uh, media group. There are six players who were first team all Big Ten for basketball this past season. Of those players, four are going into the NBA. Hunter Dickinson transferred to Kansas and Boo is returning to his team. He is the guy who jumps right to the top of the page. And what's even crazier is... If you zoom out and you look at a national perspective, it's possible. I was going through the list because I was kind of stunned by this. The only, it's possible that when all the NBA draft stuff is settled, the only high major basketball player who scored more points uh, in college basketball last year and is returning to college basketball this year than Boo is Hunter Dickinson. Which would make Boo the only high, the highest scoring high major basketball player to return to his to the same team he played basketball with last season? There are a couple other names on that list, but a ton of those guys are going into the draft. And I mean, I, I was looking through and I'm reading. I'm actually going through and trying to check this. And a bunch of these guys are like, "Yeah, I'm in. I've made my decision. I'm going into the draft. I'm sticking with it." And it's like Boo's. 17.2 points a game and 34.5 minutes a game. There are almost no high major teams that have a guy like that coming back. They just aren't. It's a massive deal. Like this is a guy who is firmly in the Big Ten Player of the Year conversation going into this coming season. Um, it's it's crazy and it's not common. And if you think out there that there are a ton of schools that just got their top senior guys to just sign on for another year with the team, there aren't. These guys almost all went into the pros, even guys who are fringe pros, and, and Boo came back. I, did, I just want to push pause on, on this talk just for real quick and think back 12 months from now. 12 months ago, would you even have considered the fact that we're having this conversation right now it's based on coming off of last year's <laughs> I, I, like, I expected sure. all of our basketball conversations over the last 12 months to be about a coaching change I, yeah like like, yeah. like every single one it and, is and um we it could it it's wild the the ride that we've been on it's a it's a testament to the player I and mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times right it is a testament to the guys on this team that said no effing way are we are we going down like that it's a testament to the coaching staff that really went to back to base basics to understand what what they had what they could do and how they could maximize it it's a testament to the hiring of chris lowry it's a testament to the like 
humility, maybe. I don't know what the right word is, but like the self-awareness, I'll say, of Chris Collins to to realize like we got to do something different. Um, It's a testament to all of that. But I like something I want to get to is the fans Mm -hmm. because this is we've talked about how big this is for the team, for the players, for for the 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 pedigree of Northwestern basketball. Um, You you guys were both at the Purdue game. I I did not experience it. Yep. John, you talked on Twitter today about, and 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 we talked about this on the pod this past season that like the the corpus of Northwestern basketball fans on the men's side discovered the new stadium this year for the first time. It's been open for what five seasons, but this yep. is the first year they really discovered it. Yep, and I like this is huge for the fans that have followed Northwestern basketball and found their joy with this team last year. Cause again, boo was at the heart of all of it. Right. And we, and we all, I mean, this is what's so funny, right? Sam makes the great point of like uh, 12 months ago. Well, 12 months ago, one of the things that to your points, guys, one of the things none of us had the, had a understanding of was what Welsh Ryan is like when it is full with a pro Northwestern crowd. None of us knew. And we'd all gone to women's basketball games and seen lively atmospheres there and everything. But no one knew until this season, until the Purdue game, until those second half of the season games, until, you know, like those of us were at the Penn State game, which Sam and I were at that one too. And it's, we all discovered, we all discovered the organism that that place is when it's really packed. And it's unbelievable. It is it's it's incredible. It feels intimate, yet it feels enormous. It feels like everyone is connected. It feels like you can find everyone that you want to see, yet it feels packed. You're looking around, you're seeing famous people and big time people, and you know, you just it's it's incredible. And right. So it's like we've all discovered that too, and that's one of the things to to what you were saying, Scuzz, about Twitter is we were talking about the 2017-2018 piece of this which is that it's so easy to juxtapose the 16-17 team that went 24-12 and 12 and also went to the second round of the NCAA tournament and then had the All-State Arena season the season after because the current Welsh Ryan was being built. And as we said on Twitter, like, we've never been someone who's like, look, like, obviously it was deflating for those guys probably a little bit to be playing away from home, but that season didn't come together for multiple reasons and all state being one of many and the, but we all, and you know, we as fans who were deflated by that, the players who would have been deflated by that and that season not going well and everything and all, we all were making an investment then. And this is, you know, what Scuzz was saying, like so good for the fans. Like we know that like so many, some of you listening to the pod, you know, you may be undergrads right now and like 2017 may seem like a big gap from where you are right now to where you were then. <laughs> but for those of us who are a little more... 2017, y- what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for those of us who are a little longer in the tooth, it's, we look back and, and you can look and be like, we put emotional capital into something. You know, it's like, the, the players, obviously, who had to play, you know, in a cavern, like those guys put in that sweat and tears in that season so that a season like this can exist because that place is going to be friggin' packed next year. 
everyone who's so there's two categories of people. There are either people who are fortunate enough to be at a game like Purdue or Penn State, even though we didn't win that game. But I'm telling you, folks, you get dipped in those magic waters and you don't come back. So everyone is either people who were at games like that or people who weren't and have heard from everybody, you've got to go to one of the games this season. <laughs> and it's going to be friggin' insane. And it's like... And it's going to be hard to find tickets, Yeah, too. right, exactly. And... The it'll it's all going. By, on a, by, by the by the way, but by, by the way, I just want to I just want to like put a pin in this right here that like if you're questioning why nil exists, oh, this God. is a great like the great reason yes. why nil nil exists because without Boo Booey, like yeah, I think a lot of people would still be excited about the basketball team, but let let's be clear. With Boo Booey, and I, Northwestern is not directly making any payments to Boo Booey, but with Boo Booey, the basketball franchise at Northwestern is a hell of a lot more profitable, folks. It's the whole effing point. Right. right. I'm it, off my it, soapbox. Move on. No, no. I mean, it's it's so true, right? And that's another avenue that we want, like another super fun avenue to look at this through is the NIL piece because, I mean, we had Jacob Schmidt on a couple weeks ago, and I don't think true NU – was super directly involved in this, although Jacob Schmidt did tell us on the pod that Bowie does have a really strong relationship with True and You, so maybe they do have a piece of this. But I th- well, and they and they can't promise him anything, right. right? All they can, all like he, like Jacob was basically like, look, he knows what we are, he knows the opportunities will be there for him, and like he knows we have his back. So that's like it's right. like a known commodity, which is mm-hmm. which is why it was so important for Jacob to take that role and get that get that role in these past exactly. twelve months. Exactly. But one of the things that we talked about with him that he said right at the top was like, look, Northwestern was late getting in the game here. And that like part of the reason he got involved is because he felt a responsibility and a calling and felt like he would be great at this and that Northwestern needed to fill this deal, right? And so many within the Northwestern community have been bemoaning where Northwestern, where they feel Northwestern is in the NIL landscape relative to other schools. Well, folks... It doesn't. You don't get a much bigger win than this, okay? Nope. Um, nope. It's, like I to go back to what I was saying earlier. Like you can look around the country and like, okay, um, Armando Bacot uh, or Bacot at North Carolina. Okay, he's one. Um, but there aren't a lot of others. There is no armada of seniors with a COVID year or juniors who cert who like had a really strong chance of going to the, to the NBA or whatever, even if they're fringe pros um, at the NBA level, there's no armada of guys choosing to come back and take NIL money to come back. Boo is part of a really, really small group. And the Northwestern, not, not like not Northwestern University, but the greater Northwestern fan base and people that are involved in, in, in NIL decisions put together a really attractive package for him that is on par with what you're seeing in a lot of other places that is valuing him, discusses point, that is commensurately valuing him with what he's going to bring to this team. And, you know, I was thinking about a discussion we'll have later down the road, but maybe Boo is an NBA guy down the road. But if he's not... Actually, actually, you know, you, you bring that up. and I... I... I do want to talk about yeah. that. And I, I want to, you know, question like, so obviously he went through like the, the NBA draft process, like you know, as far as the evaluation goes, you got to wonder, you know, he, 
just looking at him, he doesn't jump out as a prototypical NBA player right now, right? And, and clearly, I, I, I mean, you have to imagine he was told, you know, he's probably not looking at getting drafted at this point. But in addition to the NIL piece that we've been talking about, in addition to coming back, he has another year like he did last year. And I think all of a sudden that conversation changes as well. Yep. It's, it's, it's certainly possible. It's, it's, I mean, it's good for him. Like if nothing else, he, he, this is a better opportunity for him to showcase his talents, to do it on a national stage, to do it in the big 10. Um, all, all those things that go along with college basketball, he gets a platform and an opportunity. Like, like, like John, you said this earlier, like he's going to be an odds on favorite for big 10 player of the year coming back. This is going to mean north more television spots for Northwestern games. It's going to be more favorable coverage for Northwestern. We're going to be in the conversation in ways that we that you know, like so, like so often we get frustrated as fans because they're interviewing effing Brian Harson during a bowl game where we're kicking Auburn's ass as opposed to talking about Northwestern. Well, guess what? Like everyone's going to be talking about Boo Boo in Northwestern next year. That is a good thing. Um, so I like that's like I it ma- it makes sense I. There's something other else related to this that I wanted to hit on, just like tied to the fans component of it. And that is that, yes, Boo is coming back for another shot to build up his NBA pedigree. Yes, Boo is coming back because the the NIL piece is in place in Northwestern and and the community has shown him the commitment and the loyalty. Yes, Boo is coming back because as he said on Twitter today, like, how could I go play anywhere else other than my school? So this isn't just Boo coming back to college. This is Boo also coming back to Northwestern and making that choice. And I want to emphasize with a silver bullet here. If you're a fan that showed up at Welsh Ryan and shouted and screamed for this team, if you're a fan that followed the team on Twitter or Instagram or anything else and interacted and supported you contributed to the atmosphere and the environment Hell yeah. that brought Boo Booey back to Northwestern. That is a critical point for everyone listening to this podcast and everybody involved as a fan with Northwestern Athletics to realize the support, the outpouring that occurred this year, the packed Welsh Ryan, like John was talking about earlier, was, was palpable. These guys felt it. They felt it during the tournament. They felt it during the season. They felt it on campus. It was different. It was meaningfully different, even from that team that broke through the ceiling and went to the tournament for the first time. And I like we mentioned some little birds and told us that they thought Boo was coming back. We also heard that last year Michigan made a really, really big run at Boo Booey to try to get him to transfer. And I I have no idea how close it was. All I've heard is that like it was, it was being considered. Um, and I just like with, without that fan element, like, like, like Boo clearly feels a connection to this university and this fan base and this team. And, and, and some of that is certainly his coaching staff, et cetera. But like that, that matters. It's not just it's not just what the NIL deal is and what, what somebody can get on paper and what they can do for the for their NBA draft status. Like these, these, these guys that are playing for our school are, are putting their entire being 
out out there in 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 for everybody to see and to judge and to and to view and to engage with and that leaves a mark and this past season being so special and the the fan base being what it was like that's clearly had an impact on boo and i just think that's an awesome thing to call out oh it's Absolutely. it's fantastic and i think you talk about boo who again like boo said when he first declared for the NBA draft to test the waters, right? That, I mean, he's known, he's someone who's never been short of self-confidence, right? I mean, he believes in himself. He believes in his own work rate. And I think is propelled, I mean, he, because you mentioned it in his coming back thing too. I mean, he's he is propelled by everything that Scuzz was talking about, right? Like the energy and, and the, the spirit of the team and everything. And I think going back to what Sam was saying about that 12 year that 12 months ago thing, um, I mean, one big piece of this is Boo working his ass off to get better. And this is someone who's gotten better from every single year, who's yep. gone from being a very frustrating at times underclassman player to just being an ace last year. And someone for whom, you know, based on the trajectory he has shown us throughout his career, an additional season is going to do nothing but help him um, and help his, his future pro prospects. But the other piece, and to get something that we'll be talking about a little later in this pod, right? I mean, it's possible that he goes on to the NBA, but it's just as possible, if not more possible, that he goes on to a pro career that is not in the NBA. And a lot of those careers can be more itinerant, where you're playing one or two seasons in a given place, and then you're moving on to another place. They can also be, as we will discuss later, extremely lucrative. (laughs) And I kind of look at this as potentially the first in what will be many years of Boo making good money playing professional basketball somewhere. And I'm just glad that he's off to such a great start of that um, with the NIL deal that he's got going here. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, And to... Everything Scuzz said about the fans and the venue and everything. The one other thing that we mentioned on on Twitter today that you can fold into this is the the renovations that we're expecting to begin, you know, at the end of after next football season at Ryan Field. Because those renovations are gonna take a long time and the football team is not in great shakes as we record right now, and there's a lot of trepidation and a lot of negativity, which we all understand completely but in a situation like that and knowing that northwestern i mean we've had discussions with some people where you know we've been batting around well where's northwestern gonna play um you know football for those couple of years and one of the things we've kind of realized is you know one of the most obvious answers staying staring us in the face is northwestern just may play more road games those years and it just may be a team you're watching on tv even more those years and in a situation like that it can be hard to see the forest through the trees and glimpse that positive future. But just take this, take this moment and think about what it's going to be like at Walsh Ryan next year for this basketball team and how you're going to be a part of that and how we're all going to be a part of that, even if you're just watching on TV, right? Um, And how awesome that is. And that at some point down the road, you know, Northwestern football is going to turn back into the sun and they're going to do it with this unbelievable new facility and how incredible that's going to be. And I mean, it's just like, I don't know, all these good, all these good feels 
are, are coming down on us right now because of this decision and all the different things that it means. And I don't know. I'm happy. That's all I can say. I'm just happy. <laughs> yeah, this is a happy day. This is a very happy day. Uh, you know who else is happy is uh, softball lacrosse. Uh, going damn, into, damn straight. Yep. Yeah, lacrosse uh, getting through the Big Ten tournament you know, with a plum, looking great doing it, and you know, taking the number one seed in the NCAA tournament coming in. So, you know, just what an amazing year from lacrosse. And, you know, John, like you mentioned earlier, Izzy Skane coming back for next year too. So, I, you know, th- this team is, is phenomenal and doesn't look like that's going to be stopping anytime in the near future. Yeah, no. I mean, they're absolutely, absolutely stacked. And I think they're waiting to hear from Aaron Kokendall too on what her decision is going to be. But Izzy right, wasted no time and was like, I'm, I'm coming right back. And then just the... The, um, I mean, just the, the firepower of this team, it's so funny because Maryland, who is a really good lacrosse team, right? I mean, they're a top 10 team in the country and they're the character of both of the games. I mean, two of Northwestern's last three games have been against Maryland and the character of both of those games were pretty similar, but Maryland played really well in the second game and Basically, you had these two first halves where the teams were neck and neck. And in in the case of the, the tournament final, Maryland took that momentum and carried it even farther into the second half. But in both cases, you get to the fourth quarter and just the talent of this Northwestern team just rolled over on Maryland in both games. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, you just don't have what we have. You don't have the talent that we have up front. And in both of those games, both of the Maryland contests, a huge assist from Molly LaLiberty, who was awesome down the stretch yeah. in, in, in both of those games, but was a wall against Maryland down the stretch and was part of Northwestern pulling away. And I'm, and I'm just like, it's, it's the character of both of those games was the first half allowed you to see how good the other team was, which only made it more emphatic and more incredible when Northwestern went to the gear that that team didn't have. And I just like, there, yeah. There's a nunge, there's a thou shalt not pass right. mentality yes. to this team in the second half of games, right? It's like like Gandalf on the bridge, just like no, yep. no, we're done. And I think like when the game turned with Maryland, I think Northwestern won like eight of nine draw controls. It may have even been more, but they just they just take over, right? And and not just in that facet of the game, like they they shut down. They shut down draw controls. They shut down shots, and then they start figuring out the other goaltender. And in both the Maryland games, and I think even in the second half of the Michigan games, um, like Radigan has started to find her way. This time against Maryland in the Big Ten Championship game, um, Maryland, I I had talked last podcast about how they were just throwing players at Skeen. They didn't do that as much. It's Kane made them pay for right. it. Um, I think she had something like 10 first half shots. She had, a, she had, you know, many more goals than she scored the first time around. But then like Amante is a, a player that steps up big time in big games. Koikendall, of course, had another big game. And then Radigan at the end, a couple of critical goals, like as Northwestern is starting to like 
just pull away and, and put that dagger in. And it just like, they're so, they're so excellent. And there is such a, there's such a willpower and a, a domineering spirit to this team that is going to be so much to fun, so much fun to watch here in the postseason as they get going. I, the, the, the one player that I'll bring up that, that kind of embodied that for me in, um, in this finale, and it's a name I don't think anyone would be expecting, but it was a name that I don't think the announcers were expecting either, was Serafina Demuno, who stepped up and was huge on draw controls in the second half of the game. Um, and she is a player who, again, they, they were talking to Kelly Monte about it. Um, and she was saying, look like we, like she just is really good at it. We wanted a little bit of a spark. We brought her in and it absolutely paid off. And it's just like down the bench, they just had one other person. Like I, like, because we've used analogies like this, I'm taken back to, what was it? I think the 2001 NCAA football national championship where like at whoever, whatever year it was that Miami just beat the brakes off whoever that they were playing. And then at the very end of the game, an underclassman came in who like hadn't played at all the whole game and just tattooed someone. And they're like, yeah, that's Jonathan Vilma. He's like one of their young guys that like didn't even get on the field. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) It's like, that's what this felt like. It's like, oh, they have one more. It's like, oh yeah, we have this awesome player. And by the way, Serafina Demuno is local. She went to St. Viator. That's like 10 minutes away from where I live. She's from Barrington. Um, And she's just one more weapon that this team has on top of everything else that they can bring in. And you're just like, Oh my Lord, just, just unbelievable. I mean, to the, to go to the discussion we were having earlier, there's a chance this Sunday, depending on what happens with the central Michigan, Michigan game, that the cats will have to play Michigan, a very decent team for the third time this season. And you never want to have to do that, right? Have to play a team again. And there's always trepidation that goes with that. And I was kind of saying like, yeah, that's never fun. And Scott's pointed out like, yeah, they're good. But Northwestern's played awesome against them both times this season. And like at the end of the day, neither of those games was close. And it's like, yeah, that's right. Because this team's just an absolute steamroller. They they have the horses to keep up in the first half. And then they just, they just, they don't have... They just don't have what it takes to go to the wire with Northwestern. I like I would hate to see Maryland a third time, and maybe we will in the Final Four or the championship. I don't know. Um, that team scares me a lot more than Michigan, but um, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to be overconfident too. Like you know, the, the Cats need to take every game seriously. Luckily, they get a home game for this first game against who, whomever it is, Central Michigan or Michigan. Um, and ideally, they can take care of business. This is this is two Sundays from now, correct? No, one uh, Mother's Day. Yeah, well, uh, 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 six days from now. Yep. Right. Yes, it's the yeah. eighth. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I had a I had a moment. Um, call it a senior moment. Um, so yeah, I it's it you know, uh, I I think I think this team has what it takes to go all the way. Um, you know, they came up. It was what a, ra- a razor thin margin against uh, North Carolina last year in the championship game. That was without Izzy's yeah, game. Just I, short, just short. This team has been very strong all year, and um, you know you know, you never know what might happen, right? That's why they play the games. But there's a great chance for Northwestern to go the distance. There, 
and win this I, whole thing. I should mention, too, on the back of <clears throat> the senior moment comment that you made, um, we've fielded invitations from several people to to come out and tailgate for the opening round game on Sunday. Um, we would love to take you up on that. Every one of us lives in a household with a mother at this point, and, and each one of those mothers is doing titanic yep. work. Uh, and it must be said... Work that in 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 many places directly allows each of us to record this podcast. So we will be honoring those wonderful women as well as our as well as our own I'm, mothers. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I might also add that only one of those mothers uh, is um, predetermined to uh, to support Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> right. Fair, fair, fair. Good point. <laughs> so so we will be we will be uh, yeah our our. our co- yeah, our leash only runs so exactly. far. We will be honoring the mothers of our children and our own mothers on Sunday. So, but we encourage the rest of you and anyone who's able to to go out and, and support the team and, and get this postseason started off right. Do it. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! Uh, also, you know, as, as we talk about postseason, you know, we should mention uh, softball. Uh, the Big Ten tournament starting up this week as well. Uh, Northwestern with the first round by. They're going to be playing on the 11th. Uh, that is on Saturday. Uh, they're going to be playing at 4.30 p.m. Uh, I believe that is Eastern time. Um, the 11th? You, know, you mean nope, thir- Central. Thir- I'm sorry, Thursday? Central. Thursday? What do you, what, you said what, what Saturday. Even is you, meant, what do you, I, you meant... Yeah, what even is time? <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Thursday. They're going to be playing against... The winner of the Iowa Maryland game, um, yes, Thursday, four thirty Central, uh, Big Ten Network. Uh, the the Iowa Maryland plays on Wednesday, and uh, Northwestern will get the winner of that one uh, to start off the Big Ten tournament. You know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, getting it done in East in uh, in Piscataway, uh, taking two of three, finishing off the season twenty and three in the conference. Uh, just an incredible incredible run uh by the softball team this year um yeah just just awesome 35 and 11 overall like i say 20 and 3 in the conference undefeated at home i mean what what else, what as, else can you as, say as stupid as it sounds to say this <clears throat> we're hoping that northwestern makes a little bit more hay in this postseason conference tournament only because there's this disconnect right now that we've talked about on Twitter between where the Wildcats are settling in the various rankings, which is like the 16 to 18 range, and their RPI, which is ridiculously high. They're sixth nationally in RPI right now. And you have people like Ben Rosenberg, who we had on the pod uh, weeks back, who you talk to him and he's very confident. And other people who are softball insiders will say the same kind of thing, that it's like, look, the rankings are the rankings, but when it comes down to the committee and seeding for the postseason and regionals and things like that, things like RPI and strength of schedule and things like that really matter a lot. 
And of course, all of this matters with an eye on regionals and super regionals. So I think we we all believe Northwestern is underranked right now. I mean, you can't argue with that. There's, there's no doubt about it. But the, you may see a jump with that as with them holding this outright conference title. Um, a tournament title would certainly help that. And again, obviously, like, I think we're all very confident that there's an Evanston regional immediately in our future. And then, you know, it goes to questions of, of super regionals, et cetera. And obviously we know that if it does get to a situation where Northwestern has to go on the road to a hostile, warm weather, super regional, they are up for that all the way. We're all very familiar with that, but I think we'd love to see a chance for them to stay in Evanston as long as possible uh, in a rocking J. So, It'll all start uh, this Thursday, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, just uh, the teams to watch out for, Minnesota, Michigan, and Indiana. Yep. Um, we did not play Indiana during the year. We we won two of three at Michigan. We won – do we win all three at Minnesota or just two of three? Uh, I'm um, scrolling back. They, I've got that up here. We took them all. That was a whole, uh, that was, a, was a, swept yes yeah, swept swept Minnesota okay. and that was yeah. a home series as well. And so, the first like, one was that. But those, yeah. those are the three teams. Like, yep. We 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 did not play Indiana. Um, that's gonna you know be I I be an interesting uh, matchup. Indiana did not do as well against Minnesota, but Indiana did sweep Michigan. Um, uh, the you know two weekends ago, so. That that's you know those are the likely foes that um, Northwestern will come up against in the in the later rounds of that tournament. But we'll we'll you know we'll see how we go. We'll see if there's any upsets. Uh, single elimination softball is um, probably just as ridiculous as single elimination hockey. Right. So you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll enjoy. And we're going to start to see right that the moment that we've mm-hmm. all been pushing towards all this season, which is how much does this greatly improved overall battery that Northwestern has, right? That you've got Lauren Boyd and Cammie Henry pitching awesome softball this season. What does that mean um, for Danielle Williams' workload and and how will that become an asset, either in single elimination or in the series softball that's going to be coming on the back of that? We're all going to, we're going to start to find out the answers to all those questions. Indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, we got a lot, a lot going on this week. Um, You know, we'll get more and more into into the tournaments, uh, respective tournaments, you know, coming up next week. Uh, anything else to, to mention before we get out of here? Oh, yeah. We got to return to the hoops landscape and talk about a star yep. of seasons past um, who is unbelievably, I mean, it is unbelievable to say this, but it is 100% true. Outside of the NBA, John Sherna right now currently is one of the hottest professional basketball players in the country. It's amazing. And this is a guy who, if you followed pro basketball, you know John Sherna has pretty consistently been making noise for the past decade in the European leagues playing basketball. I mean, at one point, I remember there was that one period of time where he grew that crazy, like, Jeremiah Johnson beard. And everyone was like, in Europe, was like, there's this crazy guy with this, like, ridiculous like mountain man beard <laughs> shooting from the chest and just dropping threes on everybody and we were like that's like sounds like sounds like our guy shooting from yeah. the chest and it's like you, and, uh, and it's like let us tell you, you shave that beard off what do you got under there the baby face of the baby faced assassin because we all know 
what he's about. Babyface but assassin. He's playing yep. for um, uh, Grand Canaria in the Canary out of the Canary Islands um, in the Spanish. Yeah. Well done, yeah, John. Yeah, well that's, done. Yes, yeah, that's the only one you get out of the um, good job out good of the job. Canary Islands in the Spanish league, and just like in soccer, there are kind of two levels of there's the top level of European basketball um, that is the Champions League, and then like the I, I, I should look it up now because I think there's Eurobasket, and then I think Euro Cup or Euro League is the top level, which is like the Champions League and soccer equivalent, and then there's Euro Cup which is the second level, like the equivalent of the Europa League in soccer. And his team, um, Gran Canaria, which does not have a super long storied tradition, I think, relative to some of the other teams, went on this awesome run and they won Euro Cup. And who was the MVP of that tournament final? John Scherna, who was also the leading scorer in that game and hit... Tri- yeah, and hit the game-winning right, three. Trademark threes, including what ended up being the game winner, that look just like you envision they look in your mind. He is the same guy, and he's still getting it done over there. Um, and it it is so crazy. And because of that, with with that title, just like in soccer, that Euro Cup title includes membership in the EuroLeague for the following season. So John Sherna will be playing a full set of games in the highest level of professional basketball that exists outside of the NBA. And he led his team there. Um, And it's all the more crazy because he's 33. And you can look and be like, He's kind of was got a little bit of like Steph, Steph Curry in his game, like the shot, the same kind of thing. And I think there are aspects of his game that are built for longevity. But we were laughing that it's like, as Northwestern fans, if you're old enough, you first became aware of John Sherna his freshman year when he hit the game-winning three to beat Ohio State. That was in 2009. That's 14 years ago. And he's still hitting game-winning shots right now. Um, And again, to the... yeah. Yeah, same form. With, with the same, same form. form. And if you go back to what we were talking about before, John Shern have been getting them pro basketball checks for over a decade now. And let me tell you, it's not NBA money, but it's good money. Those guys are making good money playing pro basketball, and he is setting himself up for the rest of his life. And does he live in the Canary Islands? Yeah, right. While living in the Canary <laughs> Islands. Like he's I, exactly like he's kind of already at the place you would go. Right. So I'm going to yeah. throw this out here. We we are on a mission to get John on the podcast because uh, we want to we want to talk. We, a, we want to congratulate him. We want to talk to him about what his career has been like, uh, what his journey has been like, um, et cetera. Uh, we're, we've we've reached out to some some folks uh, to help us uh, try to try to connect with him. John. If, I mean, I don't think John is listening to this podcast. If you are, dude, give us a shout. Um, anybody else, if you if you know how to get in contact with John, give, give us a holler. He doesn't appear to be on Twitter, which uh, which is our usual mo. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully in this space, uh, in the in the in the time to come, we can have a have a great conversation with him and hear about uh, his his career, et cetera. 
Another bookend piece of that too, right, is if you've been listening to our pod long enough, you know that we had Juice Thompson on kind of at the dawn of his professional basketball career. At, at, and at Juice, the dawn of our yeah, podcast. Yeah, and Juice is also still playing professional basketball right now. Yeah. He, he's another guy who's played all over. And let me tell you, for like two guys, like a team that was viewed as not stacked with pro talent, I think it would be fair to sum up the Bill Carmody era as saying that we were not viewed as a team stacked with pro talent. Go back to that like 2011, 2012. Go back to those teams and find me a pair of guys who were playing college basketball then who've played pro basketball for as long and for as long and as successfully and made as much money as those two guys have. It doesn't have to be in the NBA. And those guys have had really successful professional basketball careers. And it's just so awesome. And again, it's like you you blink your eyes and it's like John Sherna, he was just hitting threes at Northwestern. And now, nope, he's 33, but he's still doing it at the highest level. So good. So good. Well, we got, uh, like I say, a busy week ahead. So, um, yeah, just excited to get into postseason. Uh, it's going to be a great ride, and we can't wait to uh, to join you all and have you all join us as we cheer on the teams as we uh, as we get into it. So, uh, with that, let's go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey.